Broadcasting live from backstage at the Muppet Theater, this is Pop Culture Reference, your one-stop reference for all things pop culture. I'm one of your hosts, Seamus Connolly. I'm Gareth Strother. I'm, I'm Ricardo. Hello. Yay! Woo. <laughs> Muppets. We're, do, we're doing Muppets. Finally, the Muppets have arrived. It's almost a little shocking it's taken us this long to do anything, Muppets, right? Now that the Muppet Show is streaming, we'll be able to use it a lot more for, like, special specials and stuff like that. Oh, totally. That's I didn't even think of that. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So I'm, exci- I'm excited. This is a really big deal now that all five seasons of the Muppet Show are streaming on Disney+. Plus. That's why we're covering some of them today. And we'll get into that after we run through some news. What do we got up top, Garrett? Seamus, you're going to be locked into watching Paddington now because Studio Canal has confirmed Paddington 3 is officially coming. The trilogy is complete. Yeah, I wonder, are they going to keep it a trilogy or if this one is as apparently amazing as the other two are, if if it hits that mark of quality again, maybe they'll just keep going. The the Paddington-verse, man. Well, I'm a little worried even about the third one, to be honest with you. As a, I mean, I'm a huge Paddington fan, as I've mentioned countless times before. But director of the first two films, Paul King, who's directing the upcoming Wonka film that we talked about a couple weeks ago, it doesn't sound like he is coming back for this third one, so I'm a little bit worried about that. Are they going to be able to keep the same mark of quality that made the first two so special, you know? Do we know who's stepping in to, to direct this one? They haven't said anything, they haven't even officially, even though Paul King has said in the past that he's not interested in returning for Paddington 3, I don't think they officially stated right now that he's not, if that makes sense. I would like to see probably either Autumn DeWilde, who did the new Emma film that came out last year, I think she would be a really good fit for Paddington, or Marielle Heller, who did Can You Ever Forgive Me and Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. She has this kind of reverence for kindness and wholesomeness and is able to make it into some kind of magic power that is also simultaneously attainable. And I think that's a really good fit for Paddington. And I think Autumn DeWilde's whole sense of aesthetics and kind of quirky charm also would be a good fit for that series. So who knows who they'll get, but those would be my picks, I think. Yeah, man. Well, I'm I'm excited either way. Both of those sound like they'd be kind of a good fit. I know it's like notoriously a wholesome couple of films there, and I I really don't know what happens in them. I know he goes to prison at one point, I think. But <laughs> so, Shams, for all you know, Paddington's a mass murderer. Yeah, he's like a, he's just a convicted criminal that yeah. is like trying to reform his life as a bear, you know, as a little cute bear in England and. <laughs> All right, up next, Sasha Callie has joined the upcoming Flash film as Supergirl. She is best known for a recurring role on Young and the Restless, the soap opera. So I'm assuming that this is finally paying off the idea that in Man of Steel, he goes to the Fortress of Solitude and they've got that, that open escape pod thing. Dude, is, you're, is you're, referencing, you're referencing a movie that I have like all but blocked out at this point. <laughs> it's been a while. Yeah, man, I was about to say, sure, yeah, that sounds right. I don't remember any of that. <laughs> I'll, but... yeah, I'll take I... your word on it. I mean... <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see how they implement Supergirl. 
if this Flash movie is even still happening, which, I mean, like, I guess it is, but also everything going on at DC right now is a mess. Oh, Jesus, yeah. More on that later. Yep, indeed. Uh, We've got a couple of trailers coming up. We've got the Cruella trailer, which looks really, I think, looks really bad. But I, I, think, I suspect Come there might be some on, differing opinions. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I think it looks all right, man. I, when I heard they were doing it, I was like, how, like, what is even the point? Why are they, like, not everyone needs an origin story, but it looks like a weird Joker-esque, like, storyline going down here about Cruella DeVille. I have to assume that, because it was edited like the Joker trailer. Like, very explicitly edited oh, yeah, exactly like the Joker trailer. And... I'm going to be very curious to see if that is actually the tone of the movie or if that is just they're like, people like the Joker right now. We got to get the Joker in here. She laughs and she's crazy. Like Ricardo, what do you think here? At the very least, it's different. They're doing something that's not just the same movie I already saw. It looks fun. I like the weird mod style they're going with the 70s, that punk rock era. I don't know. We'll have to see. It It could very well be not, because I mean, it is a live action Disney adaptation of a classic thing they own. So it's, chances are it won't be great. But that trailer, that trailer made me kind of interested. I don't know. Well, I'll tell you what did make me interested. The Mortal Kombat trailer. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. I love that it is just, <laughs> they're not even being a little self-aware. <laughs> That it's just like, nope, this is just Mortal Kombat. It is just, we're doing it straight up. When he says, I am Sub-Zero, I was like, yeah, you are, man. <laughs> yeah, you are. I was waiting for the, get over here, right? I knew it was going to happen at the last second of this trailer, too. I They showed us a lot of fun snippets of just, like, bodies coming apart. And I know there's they're really going to milk that for all it's worth. So I'm sure those fatalities are going to be... Very extended, very extended. Uh, this is one I would want to see in the theaters, if I'm being honest. I want to, like, hear the gross cartilage noise <laughs> with extra bass, and I... Yeah, that's, little... that's a shame. This one and Kong are the two yeah. that are coming that I'm like, man, that would have been cool in, like, a packed opening weekend theater. We've got lots of good HBO animation news, but first up, we've been talking about it for however long on this show, Ricardo... Infinity Train lives, baby. We're back. <laughs> Book four coming soon. Oh man, what a what a twist! I've been seeing so many memes for so long about how we're just gonna be desperate fans begging for a season four forever, and here we are. Additional follow-ups to beloved series. Uh, Amazing World of Gumball is getting a movie, which I believe will function as the series finale. Is that true? Yeah, the series ended, I think, about two years ago on this cliffhanger. And then there was just, like, no word about anything. So now that we're finally getting a movie, the creator himself has said that, like, if I ever get the chance to do a movie, it'll wrap up everything and everything will be, you know, it'll fall into place as a big finale. And then a soft reboot of Total Drama Island is also coming to HBO Max. And then finally, we've got an Aquaman animated series with James Wan attached coming to HBO Max, which I'm assuming is attached to his Aquaman feature film. And then next up, Craig Robinson is teaming up with Brooklyn Nine-Nine creator Dan Gore for a new series on Peacock, which sounds wonderful to me. 
Is it going to be a Doug Judy spinoff? I hope so, but I will watch literally <laughs> anything that they do. So, I I just love Craig Robinson is so talented. If his character is like a part time musician, which most of his characters are, then I'm there. I suspect it will be locked behind a Peacock premium wall, but you know, it might be worth a month to check it out. Yeah, maybe maybe that'll be the thing that gets me to get a little trial. This week we had the first full-size Nintendo Direct, I believe, in over a year. And did you guys watch any of this? I, d- I heard a lot about it. I did not watch it, though. Who got added to Smash? Some lady from some game that I've never <laughs> heard of is in Smash now. That's good for... That's every time they announce a Smash character, though. Oh, yeah? They're like, oh, they're in Smash! And I'm like, I don't know who that is. I don't care about Fire Emblem. Where's Crash Bandicoot? That would be really good. It felt like this entire Nintendo Direct... I mean, there was some good stuff that we'll talk about in a second. It felt like the entire thing was a big tease. And I'm like, why didn't you wait a couple more months to actually have an announcement that people are excited about? Because there was a bit where... I can't remember his name. I'm not a huge Nintendo guy, um, but I want to get it right. Shigeru Uh, Miyamoto. Yep, you're right. Look at you. Okay. (laughs) the producer of the Zelda series came on screen and everybody was like, whoa, it's going to be time for Breath of the Wild 2, which was like the big rumor going into this. I'm sure many of you are expecting me to come on screen and talk about Breath of the Wild 2. Oh, no. We have nothing to share right now. (laughs) That's so bogus. That is so bogus. Why even bring it up? That is so mean. Well, the thing that he then segued into, and so let's talk about what they actually announced, um, is that the Wii entry of Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword is coming to Switch in HD, and they're retaining the motion controls with the Joy-Cons that they originally had on the Wii, which I think that's kind of cool, except it's, like, actually good now. (laughs) Damn, that is actually pretty cool. Instead of, like, absentmindedly swinging the Wii remote to have... Link not doing at all what you were telling him to do. It's like they were showcasing how it's super accurate and like how you hold it will sh- change how he holds the sword and everything. The other highlights were Mario Golf, which I mean, it just looks like Wii Golf, but a full game. So you know, you know, sign me up for that. You know, yeah, straight up. That's like a that's like a classic Mario title, isn't it? Mario Golf. Yeah, I think they had it. I think I think the last one was for like the N sixty four. Yeah, I think it's been so. A minute. Also, the big reveal of this, like, the big end reveal was Splatoon 3, which I've never played Splatoon. I hear it's really great. I would love to try it sometime, really. People really love that series. I know there's a big fan base for that that loves to do... I know it's based on, like, painting and, like, street art and stuff, so I Mm -hmm. know there's a big, like, fan art world. Yeah, it's like Squid Ink. And then, last up, a thing that I don't really know what it is, but a Switch-exclusive Star Wars game called Star Wars Hunters. It's a third-person shooter. I'm assuming, just because everything is, that it's going to be some kind of Battle Royale. I, I said, I was texting one of my friends about it, and I was like, I wonder if it's going to be, like, Battlefront Light, since they can't actually put Battlefront on Switch. When I saw that title, I almost thought, like... It's going to be like a Monster Hunter style where you're a literal Star Wars hunter and you go like fight or like you hunt big Star Wars monsters and like do that kind of thing. But here's my theory based off of the title that obviously in Star Wars, when you think hunters, you think bounty hunters, right? 
Oh, yeah. So, I think it's going to be a battle royale where you have specific targets that you're hunting in the chaos. I mean, that sounds cool to me. I kind of wish I had a Switch just to... I, I've been very hungry for a new Star Wars game. I've been going hard on Squadrons, and... I mean, I, I, I obviously love that one, but I, I just need more. This is exciting news, though not entirely surprising. Danny Elfman has reteamed with Sam Raimi to do the music for Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Of course, a match made in heaven... I'm very interested to see where they take this. And Danny Elfman, as always, great composer. Excited to see what he does. They did Spider-Man together. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that sound, those soundtracks are iconic. Like, they're so good. And you can't tell me that part of the reason he's bringing on Danny Elfman isn't so that he can integrate his Spider-Man theme when whatever Spider-Verse-y yes. shenanigans mm-hmm. pop up. Oh, God, I can't wait. And then in related news... Kind of. I mean, it's DC, but it's still Danny Elfman. The Michael Keaton Batman and Christopher Reeves Superman are returning in comic book sequels to their original films. I'm kind of wondering if this is testing the waters, because it sounds like Michael Keaton might be coming back in some capacity, at least for The Flash. And there's been a lot of rumors about them maybe doing another Tim Burton Batman with Keaton. Hashtag restore the Burton verse. (laughs) Moving on to some more serious topics. Just a a brief follow-up on the Joss Whedon controversy we've been covering lately. David Boreanaz and James Marsters, both from Buffy and Angel, have broken their silence and chimed in with support for Buffy and Angel co-stars that have talked about their experiences of toxic behavior with director and writer Joss Whedon. He keeps coming with this guy, huh? Yeah, is he, like, he has to be done for after all these voices coming out in support and, like, corroborating these horror stories of his sets. Mm -hmm. So I, I really don't know how he could come back from this. Lastly, following up on our main segment from last week, the childhood home of Fred Hampton will now be converted into a museum, community garden, and recording studio. Definitely the kind of legacy with his, you know, within the community helping it so much that I think he would have been very, very proud to have in his name. Yeah, man, this is really cool. Shout out to everyone that donated to that GoFundMe. All right, should, uh, is it time to play the music? I think it's time to light the lights. Is it time to light the lights? (laughs) Hey, get into it. In honor of The Muppet Show coming to Disney+, Plus, each of us picked one episode, and we watched all three of them, and we're going to talk about them a little bit and share our thoughts. So, first up was actually my pick, the Season 2 episode, with our guest, Steve Martin. The premise of this episode is that Kermit has had to cancel the show because he realized that he double-booked The Muppet Theater to have new talent auditions. But Steve Martin's pretty irked that he's not going to get to perform, so he's sticking around. I, this episode was hilarious, man. I truly believe that Steve Martin was born a Muppet and then just grew into a human being. You know, <laughs> he just he's so comfortable around yeah. these these Muppets. It, it just it feels so so wholesome in a way. It has a wholesome feeling with adult overtones. Yeah, man, I loved it. Steve Martin being legendary again. Steve Martin, that's the name I put into that blank space for their intro whenever i think of the intro to the muppet show it's always with special guest star steve martin 
<laughs> I didn't know he had, like, weird balloon animal talents, and yeah. I also very often forget that he plays the banjo very well. That's a majority of what he does now. He's really into the banjo. Whoa. Mm-hmm. No kidding. I did not know that. He did a funnier die sketch a few years ago where he and Kermit played the banjo together. He has a history with Kermit, so I guess it makes sense that they would they would book them together. I was a little bit disappointed that Kermit didn't play the banjo with him in this episode. I've never seen this episode. Actually. When did the when did the Muppet movie come out? Um, Muppet movie, I believe, was seventy nine. Yes, it was. was. This was seventy eight. So they were still. You could tell Miss Piggy doesn't look quite right in in this episode, and like there there's still some things they're definitely ironing out that the movie kind of better solidified. I think. <laughs> But I mean, like, just everything in the Steve Martin episode just made me smile real big. You know, everything is so earnest, and my boys, Statler and Waldorf, are cracking wise. They're, for some reason, I love them so much. I feel Maybe it stems from my love of them being on the bow of the ship in Muppet Treasure Island, but <laughs> they're just, they always get me. This, this episode gives us a little bit of an insight into Statler and Waldorf's psyche. Because they, they auditioned for The Muppet Show. It's interesting to, to talk about the psyche of these two grumpy old puppets. But, like... Hey, well, they they come true. to this theater every day. They hate this show, but they still come in for every day. They just want to be part of the gang, man. They just don't know how to do it. Where's their movie? Statler and Waldorf, dude. I'd watch that. They got a pretty good number in Christmas Carol. See, uh, any other any other thoughts on Steve Martin? Uh, there was a warning at the top of this episode. Did you guys get that? Of that it depicts outdated depictions? Yeah, that. Because Gonzo's of... racist Yes, <laughs> and, you know, a little bit of Steve yeah. Martin's racist ass <laughs> in that one moment. And there are multiple times in this episode that characters are supposed to be speaking other languages and are either speaking gibberish or just saying, like, when Gonzo's supposed to be speaking Spanish, he's just saying food items. Yeah. It's pretty. It's not the best. Also, that whole little bit made very little sense to me. It's just like, yeah, sure, dancing cheese. There was no real punchline except for the cheese was a poor <laughs> dancer. Yeah, it's, it's just it's weird. It's just that it's weird. I do think the Swedish Chef is a little bit less problematic in that there's a a lot more internal consistency to like the Swedish Chef's language and stuff, and it's just kind of like this is how Swedish is in. Muppet Land, because also we see multiple times characters speak to the Swedish chef in quote-unquote Swedish, like Steve Martin does at the end of <laughs> yeah. this episode. Yeah, maybe he, he's more he's more Still Muppet great, than but... he is, like, from Sweden, so I guess it's, it's just more, it's more yes. absurd than rational. It's like Beaker or anything else, or Animal, where it's just, like, right. gibberish. Real quick, you, I, I like the, the weird ribbit joke. <laughs> Such a weird joke. But it's I did really like that one a lot too. <laughs> with the recurring, the recurring girl who's just trying to audition under different names. <laughs> Friend, with her frog accompanist. Oh yeah, that was good stuff. But yes, my my episode season three, Alice Cooper. I thought it was such a bizarre guest to have on the Muppet Show, but once again, just like Steve Martin, just like melts into this weirdo universe so well. Honestly, I think of the three episodes we watched, this is probably my favorite of them, even though I love the other two. It's it's bizarre, for sure. It's like a very... <laughs> was it supposed to be a Halloween episode, or was it just like... Oh, you would assume, right? Yeah, it, <laughs> it can't not you be. You would assume, but who knows? <laughs> especially because you can't even really tell 
Because Disney Plus actually has these episodes oh. out of order. Not that it matters. Of course they, they do. It's nice to have them in order. Yeah. Not, again, not that it matters because it's The Muppet Show and it's completely one episode is wholly contained, pretty much. But it is weird to me. I think that they just wouldn't air them in release order. Yeah, it is very spooky. I don't know if it was around Halloween or not, but, I mean, it just goes with Alice Cooper's entire aesthetic Yes, anyway. very true. When Kermit blows out that candle, that's, that's mad. <laughs> he, he says, it's don't just, think about it. No, he says, think oh, about th- that one, folks. <laughs> like, he wants, you, he wants you to register the joke, because that's the thing, is that people get so wrapped up. The Muppets are so good and so wholly developed characters that I think a lot of people just get lost in it. And whenever they do amazing things, people don't think about it because it's like, yeah, Kermit, he's Yeah, he's his own guy. Yeah, I see that from interviews all the time on Muppets who like talk shows and stuff. They never want to talk to like the puppeteer who's like very (laughs) visible doing all the movements and stuff. They're always, yeah, but I want to talk to Kermit. I want to, can we talk to Kermit instead? (laughs) God. Yeah. The tragic life of a puppeteer. But also, it's the greatest compliment you also can receive. Also true. But yeah, I mean, Alice Cooper is spectacular. Um, the whole joke about him having brought his own monster entourage. Yes, and the running gag that he is a demon lord who works for Satan. <laughs> Who's trying to get the souls <laughs> yeah. of some of the Muppets. He tries to get, oh, tries to get Kermit at first, and then he goes after G- Gonzo. Well, Gonzo just needs it. He he is not even really being courted. He's just like he stumbles I'm upon in. a devil contract and is just like, yeah, sure, I need a pen. <laughs> where where do I sign? Oh, real quick. Speaking of Gonzo, I love the bit where so obviously the Muppet movie was in production during the Steve Martin episode because when Steve Martin uh, floats away on the balloon, Gonzo goes, "You should put that in a feature film." Oh my god, I that makes a lot of sense. I did not put that together. So it was probably made around the same time, I would guess. Then, anyway, sorry. Back to, Back to Alice Cooper and stealing people's trying souls. to have sex with Miss Piggy <laughs> in a very powerful yeah, love yeah. ballad number, like a duet. That, I would imagine that would have been pretty racy for when I was going to say aired. he's talking about like making love to this puppet that he's like doing a duet with on this uh-huh. family show. And Miss Piggy, it seems, has already agreed to sell her soul. Yeah, that's. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't the for... issue. It was the weird bird transformation thing. Uh huh. So strange. And then she turns back when she says it's off. So like, I like ugh. imagining Jim Henson and Alice Cooper <laughs> just hanging just cuddling out, cuddling in bed together. I, was oh, I just about mean, how... like on set, like when they were filming together. Just those, the idea of those two guys talking to each other is really yeah funny to me. Well, I kept thinking about how. Frank Oz is sitting there with his probably his head touching Alice Cooper's (laughs) side as he has his hand up in this puppet, resting it lovingly against his chest. Wow. I. (laughs) It's so wonderful to think about. Jim Henson was a rocker, man. Jim Henson could hang. This was the episode with the, like, also really earnest Somewhere Over the Rainbow number (laughs) out of nowhere. Oh, yeah. I was waiting for there to be, like, a. Uh, Alice Cooper gag where like a snake eats Robin but he just like it's a full fade in fade out transition music video for Somewhere Over the Rainbow well that's the thing they just do these I mean next episode in the in the one that we're gonna talk about next uh, Scooter has a whole very earnest little 
Country song. song. Like the Muppet yeah. Show, it is a variety show. It really truly is. Like they are invested in in having different acts that aren't all related to the main story of the episode. And I'm sure in the writers' room for that show is just like a sketch factory. They're just like churning out like, all right. How many minutes is this? Can we put it in this episode? Yeah, probably. Go for it. Just, like, stacks. Speaking of, can we talk about that tooth sketch or whatever that was? The surrealist, existential, (laughs) multiverse of teeth. It's like like caves. It's like stalactites with cave teeth that have toothaches, and then you pull out, and they're in a larger stalactite that's also having a toothache. But it's like... They're all being echoed by the other things in, like, weird ways, and they're not supposed to look at each other? Is that a thing that they do at one point? Like, don't look at us? Oh no. It's weird, but I loved it. It's so bizarre. Yeah. I guess that, that could great. be the sentence you could put on every Muppet sketch, is like, it was weird, but I loved it. it did we? It, was it this episode that we got a Pigs in Space, or was it Steve Martin that we got a Pigs in Space? No, it was this episode we got a Pigs in Space. Oh, yeah. The weird special were... effects... They were playing in blending modes in, in Photoshop. Oh, God. And, you know, that was a lot of fun to see. And then it comes back again at the end of the episode where there's the great Demon Lord Gonzo gag where it's the special effects bill and not his demon contract. Yes. Yo, it's, it's so funny. It's all a herald. It all comes back together, and it's so funny. I loved the ending to this one with them going out to schools out. I don't think I've ever seen yes. the Muppets rock that hard. It also... Outside of, like, Dr. Teeth. Back when Jimmy Fallon used to be funny. You guys remember a long time ago when Jimmy Fallon <laughs> All right, old man, keep going, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> Back when he was on, like, The Late Show, he would have the Muppets on all the time. And they would just, like, rock That's out. cool. <laughs> what happened, Fallon? Great. They do rock when they need to rock. I guess shall we move on to the I think to the finale here we got. Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> I laughed so, out loud maybe the most during this one. Oh, this is a spectacular episode. This is the Muppet Show episode I've seen the most for sure. It, so my exposure to the Muppet Show growing up was a couple of videotapes, the season one DVD that I had, and this one was a season four one. So this was other than on some great being on some greatest hits of the Muppet Show DVDs and videotapes, this was largely unavailable, right, before it coming to Disney+. Plus, Because seasons 4 and 5 have, before this, not been available on home video in their entirety. But I had... My dad's friend made me a DVD, a pirated DVD of the Star Wars Holiday Special. And also on that DVD was this episode of the Muppet Yo, Show. Yo, <laughs> that's a good little double feature, because I was going to say... Like, it feels like it's in the same universe as the Christmas special in a lot of ways. And I mean, it's it, this is a really good episode that simultaneously captures the feeling of what Star Wars was back when it was allowed <laughs> to be silly. Like, back, this is very much in the same vein of the holiday special and the droids and Ewoks cartoons and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, you got Luke Skywalker walking around with his cousin, Mark Hamill. <laughs> They're trying to find Chewbacca the Wookiee. Yes, screaming. Chewbacca the Wookiee, what they call him every uh-huh. time. And I love that, like, obviously Kermit has seen Star Wars because he's just like, oh yeah, <laughs> you know, in Star Wars, like <laughs> like Chewbacca the Wookiee. I do have a point of contention, again, with Disney Plus's upload of this, is that the 
title of this episode is The Stars of Star Wars, but in the Disney Plus description, it just says Star Wars slash Laziness. Mm. But, yeah, let's talk about that bit. That's a really good, the Mark Hamill <laughs> and Luke Skywalker being cousins bit. It's It makes me want to be friends with Mark Hamill. He seems like such a fun guy. Like, he's up for anything. <laughs> and so, I mean, w- this one is definitely, I think, I mean, we still do get a couple of, we mentioned the Scooter one earlier, and we get a weird oh, yeah. song in the middle of this one. <laughs> But in general, this one is definitely the one that's the most centered on. We're in this plot of the episode where the stars of Star Wars, Luke Skywalker, C-3PO, and R2-D2 are there looking for Chewbacca, and they hijack the pigs' space oh, yeah. ship, the, the swine trek, something that you can now recreate in Disney Infinity 3.0. <laughs> yes. Uh, which we should talk about that. The fact that when they do the Disney spoof at the end of this episode, neither <laughs> Star Wars nor the Muppets were owned by Disney. That made me laugh so much. If only they, if only they knew, man. If only it, they it knew. It feels, it feels really, really prescient. <laughs> They're all like wide-eyed, glaring at the camera, begging for help with their eyes. They're coming for them. But yeah, just so much good stuff in this episode. We've got Miss Piggy dressed up as Leia. Yeah. All all the great jokes about like loving Luke's outfit, which I gotta say, uh-huh. that outfit is is fire. Oh, it's he looks that good. That is the the beautiful Bespin duel Empire yeah. Strikes Back. I've wanted that jumpsuit since I was seven years old. Like, <laughs> oh, it's so good. He doesn't have a lightsaber. Um, he's he's like on his way to Bespin, where he he just has the blaster and that suit. Well, I do think it is interesting. I mean, obviously the the lightsaber. I'm assuming is because of special effects limitations. Yeah, man, like, they can't oh. do lightsabers on the Muppet show. Yeah, but the but the fact that they don't even mention lightsabers, I think, is very interesting. They don't mention the Force at all. I recently rewatched this episode with Annie. She's like, why wasn't Yoda in this episode? And the answer is because they hadn't done... They were working on Empire when they shot this episode. Oh, so I this had assumed it was real like... Old. Yeah, well, I assumed since he had his Bespin suit that it was, like, very recently after, but... It was while they were in production, because you could see Empire production stills on Scooter's wall. One of those Star Destroyers being upside down, yes. But they didn't want to spoil who Yoda was for the movie. Wow. No kidding. I've got... <laughs> That's wild. That's wild to think about. I would have loved to have seen Yoda interact with Kermit in some kind of way, but... I understand why they wouldn't want to. Well, if you look, we'll tweet these out on social media. There are pictures of when the Muppets came to visit the set of Empire. Oh my god, are they just like promo stills? (laughs) Yeah, they're promo stills. We'll we'll tweet them out. (laughs) We'll tweet them out. Don't worry. That's incredible. And, I mean, I would love it if they could put Coosbane in a Star War. It would be. I would love it, man. It just doesn't even have to be a big thing. Just put it in. Yeah, the, just give it a wink archives. and a nod. Exactly. I that guess would Harrison be, that Ford would be and special. Carrie Fisher couldn't be bothered to be here. <laughs> yeah, they were. Uh, they didn't want to go on the Muppet Show. They weren't going to do. I guess Carrie Fisher might have sung. She she wanted to sing at the end of oh, the Star Wars special. Loved to do that, yeah. I I would have killed to see Harrison Ford just like not giving a crap about these puppets <laughs> around him. Just, like, not caring at all. Yeah, we're looking for (laughs) Chewy the Chewbacca or whatever. I don't care. I'm Harrison Ford. They do have, of course, though, 
Peter Mayhew and Anthony Daniels in oh, yeah. the C-3PO and Chewbacca suits. Anthony Daniels getting down, tap dancing at one point in the suit. I use that gif all <laughs> the time. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. And Peter Mayhew talked about how one of his favorite experiences ever doing Chewbacca was being on The Muppet Show and how that he always felt like maybe in another life he would have been a puppeteer. Oh, wow, that's nice. I was going to say he looks a little like he doesn't know what to do at some points, but like <laughs> yeah, I'm glad he, he had a good time. When he's told to dance and he's just kind of shuffling about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I want to give a quick shout out to super intense like war hero Luke Skywalker who's screaming, "Remember Alderaan!" Like kicking in dressing room doors. I thought that was very funny. You know what it is? It's like straight out of the box Buzz Lightyear. Yeah, that, <laughs> that's what it is. Yeah, that's just the Muppet version of Luke Skywalker, but it's in human form. But that he earnestly takes down Link Hogthrob's measurements oh, <laughs> like yeah. he's gonna go to the space tailor and get him a jumpsuit made where where did he get that suit he comes from dagobah to bespin and he just has that dope suit on i think he has it on under his flight oh suit yeah maybe after he flees hoth yeah, maybe. He got it on his way to the Muppet Show. All I'm this saying is, is canon. He, <laughs> it's canon like the holiday special. He had to get it somewhere. Might as well be the Space Tailor. These are great episodes. I love the Muppet Show, and I'm excited to cover more Muppet stuff as we continue on our journey here. Me too, man. This this has opened up the gate, the floodgates for me. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be going back for sure and starting from like the early days. All right, should we move on to our pop culture reference of the episode? Let's do it. For today's pop culture reference, we're going to give a little brief history of the Muppets and how exactly they came into being. Obviously, Jim Henson was the creator of the Muppets. He was also the puppeteer behind Kermit and countless other iconic Muppets, including Rolf the Dog. And Kermit was one of his first creations, which he made out of his mother's coat and a cut-in-half ping-pong ball. And the legend grew from there. So he and his wife, Jane Nebel, made lots of puppets and used them to make commercials and do guest appearances on late-night talk shows like The Ed Sullivan Show, eventually with Rolf becoming a regular on The Jimmy Dean Show. Like, he would just be there on The Jimmy Dean Show with Jimmy Dean. Really? <laughs> That's pretty great. Yeah. Then, you know, in 1969, Henson joined Children's Television Workshop and produced Sesame Street. And yet we would see Kermit on Sesame Street. But slowly Henson's gaze kind of turned to more adult content and he wanted to have a series where Kermit was the star, eventually developing multiple Muppet pilots that didn't get picked up until a desperate pitch to CBS, yeah. which is absolutely insane if you've not seen it. You should really watch it. It's really funny. That eventually got the Muppet show picked up. Was this before... Or after his, because one of his pilots was, like, Muppet Sex and Violence. Like, that was the actual name of the show for a while. Yes, there were two television pilots. One was the Muppet Show Sex and Violence on ABC. And the other, also on ABC, was the Muppets Valentine Show. Which, if you have watched either of them, are not very good, I'll be <laughs> honest. Like, there's a reason they didn't get picked up. But they were still honing that Muppet 
mix of adult humor and wholesome charm. But yeah, eventually uh, they got the Muppet Show greenlit and it rolled out to the smashing success that we know it today. Eventually getting bought by Disney in 2004 for $75 million, about 10 years after Jim Henson's passing. If you want a really, really in-depth, well-made look at the history of Jim Henson and the Muppets, I really recommend checking out the defunct TV about the life of Jim Henson. Ricardo and I have both checked it out and cannot recommend it highly enough. Yeah, man, I love it. It puts everything into context for Jim Henson's life and how, you know, the Muppets, when they first came out, they were, like, huge, like, real, real big. And I don't, he does a real good job of contextualizing not only that, but all the way, like, through Fraggle Rock and through his, like, last days. So, yeah, that is our little brief history of the Muppets, kind of how they came up through the ranks to become the media icons we know them as today. Shall we move on to our pop quiz? Let's do it. Pop quiz. As the scores stand now, Ricardo has seven points and Seamus has four. Neither of you got the point last week, but two weeks ago, Ricardo got the point, meaning that Seamus, it is your turn to pick the category. <laughs> I do this so often, it's the worst. <laughs> Alright. Your options are The Muppet Show or The Legend of Zelda. Alright, okay. I think... I think I'm going to go The Legend of Zelda. Okay. You guys know how this game works, but for those of you playing along at home, the first one of you to give me the correct answer wins. If neither of you gets the correct answer, or you say it at the exact same time, we'll move on to our second category as a tiebreaker. Here we go with The Legend of Zelda. The Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword came out for the Nintendo Wii and it was announced this week at Nintendo Direct that it will be re-released on the Nintendo Switch in high definition. When it came out, Skyward Sword came as the 16th mainline entry in the Legend of Zelda franchise. However, it isn't the 16th game chronologically in the storyline. Where does it take place chronologically in the franchise? It's the first one. It's it's like a prehistory thing, right? Correct, Seamus. Yes. It is the first oh, game wait. in the Legend of Zelda chronology. Selgado, yeah, baby. Well, excuse <laughs> me, princess. Hey, that's just like Steve Martin <laughs> in the in, in his famous bit. Oh man, you know, I chose Legend of Zelda because as a young as a young. Sh- I uh I got that hardcover Hyrule Historia book that's just like all of the stuff you would ever need and I loved that Look thing. Look at you. Woo. I studied that Finally timeline. Coming in yeah. Handy. All right, shall shall we move on? Let's do it. Now it's time for WandaVisionaries where we break down the latest episode of WandaVision. As always, there are spoilers ahead, so steer clear if you haven't seen this week's episode. This week, we're going to be talking about Episode 7, Breaking the Fourth Wall. Oh boy. As we inch closer to the end of this series, because I can only imagine there's going to be just the one season, as it's kind of going to just continue on to other stuff. We're getting... uh, Crazy, crazy things are happening every week. We've got Darcy is now in the Hex after Wanda's expansion last episode. She is a (laughs) escape artist which I thought was pretty cute at the circus. Yeah, there's this 
circus in the show now. I thought there was going to be more circus, I won't lie. Yeah, me like, too. I was yeah. ready for more circus. Uh, I don't mind, but I was just expecting it, you know. And she and Vision team up almost immediately. The show did not beat around the bush. They were just like, okay, it's time. Vision's got stuff to find out. They even they go on a, on a road trip. In the funnel cake, the funnel of love truck. <laughs> I didn't even notice that. This week we're doing the office style, which was kind of what we predicted it would be. It's got yeah. a little bit of a modern family mm-hmm. edge to it as well. The, the end half of their intro. It's very interesting. The intro is like a combination of the modern family and the office. I was intros. thinking the same thing. Yeah, it's got like that weird hard beat like the, the office does under it. Did you guys notice in the intro that little hit message as well? Oh, I didn't know. Yeah, it was when it was all the flashes of Wanda's name, and then for a split second, there's one in cutout letters that says, I believe it says, I know what you're doing, Wanda, something like that. It was just another little snippet, Ooh. little thingy. I had to like go back because I thought I was crazy. Really good catch, Seamus. Good job. Also, I feel like Elizabeth Olsen is really good at replicating the style of acting that you have on one of those mockumentary series. Like, it feels really natural for her. Totally. I, I very much agree. Yeah, she's been nailing all her, like, decades of sitcoms. That's honestly true. She's She's got... We were talking about range before. She's definitely got that range to just, like, kind of slip into any of these eras, pretty much. I do have a nitpick, though. What, what you got? Vision and Agnes, at different points, Jim the camera... Oh, yeah! But jimming the camera is not funny in a static close. It's just not. Isn't Oh, you wanted the little, like, baby micro, like, zoom in right as they look over? Is that what you're talking about? The way, the thing that makes it funny, which every <laughs> Parks and Rec does it, Modern Family does it, The Office is the one that obviously is the most famous for it, is you, at the very least, you have to do a little zoom yeah. as he jims the camera. <laughs> but usually... You need a pan, then a zoom. You got to be giving them lessons but, on their their mockumentary style because you're you're right. That is that is a, like weirdly a big ingredient in that joke. It's like it's a specific thing. You can't just look at the camera. Anybody can just look at the camera. Agnes, but it takes a pro to really jim. Yeah, to really Krasinski it. But that's what I'm saying, and I I don't think it's the fault of the actors. I think it's the fault of the camera work. They they didn't lean too hard in the mockumentary style, which is fine. Except that was one moment where you had to, like, when specifically when Agnes does it, is right after one of the kids asks a question. And so, instead of keeping it one shot, they they made it, like, a two-shot. Like, they have a close of the kid, and then they have a close of Agnes, and then she gems the camera. As opposed to if they had had the focus on the kid, and, like, him centered, and then had come up to Agnes and racked the focus, and then she gemmed the camera... Like, it's just such a small fix. That's all, you know. What if, though, what if NBC has, like, copywritten that that kind of shot? Like, <laughs> they patented the Krasinski peep, and they have to, like, Disney Plus is going to get sued if they try to move in on, like, Peacock territory. The Krasinski method? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's oh, a that's good joke. Good. Um, I was going to say Community, their mockumentary episodes do a oh, really good yes. job of replicating that style, especially where they have a whole joke about Annie keeps jimming the camera. <laughs> yeah. I just, I'm disappointed that they didn't get it right, and it's such a simple thing to get right. Like, some, get, <laughs> you, Disney couldn't hire a guy who was a camera operator on The Office. Like, they've got the money yeah, to do probably, that. Yeah, probably, I don't know. 
like I said, maybe it's it's they can they can reference the office all they want, but as soon as they get a little too on the nose, maybe they'll get hit with the uh, the legal jargon. There, there's no legal. Come on, you don't think they have <laughs> some kind of cease and desist ready to go as soon as WandaVision makes an Asian gym joke with Randall Park, huh? <laughs> Wait, no, dude, you're right. Why didn't they do that? Oh, it's a missed opportunity. It's a missed opportunity. Oh, if they, but he's not in the yeah, sitcom, so he couldn't jam the camera. If he though. made it oh. inside the hex this episode, they could have done it. But oh, that's a shame. Well, well, I guess let's talk about that though. Uh, the most underwhelming thing on the show so far. Go on. That the engineer that oh, they've been hyping yeah. up for multiple episodes. Oh, yeah, the, the big he's twist. Just nobody. I. <laughs> Just, was like, she even a character in Captain Marvel? Like, I, I was at a loss. No. I was just like, oh, okay, maybe this is just someone I don't remember that's supposed to be big to me. Major Goodner. Yeah, who cares? I'm assuming she'll show back up in other stuff, but she's not... I I googled it because I was like, I don't know who that is. She's not a comic character uh. at all. She's not, uh. like... I assumed it was going to be like, oh, this is some kind of deep comic cut. Maybe it's somebody that's from a Wanda comic or somebody that's from a Captain Marvel. Nope. Just it's Magneto, it, her father. Oh god, you call him Magneto? But you know me, I'm not the person who wants fan service all the time. But like they set but that up, man. If you're setting something up, why just not deliver? Especially because they had the twist of Catherine Hahn being evil. I which mean, yeah, we knew twist. Already. Big air quotes. So I was expecting something a little bit more of a reveal this episode because i feel like every episode has had a reveal since they started being weekly they, i mean technically they did meet their quota with revealing agnes to be evil but that was not <laughs> a twist really yeah. yeah not really a twist but you know kind of a bop their oh theme hell song. yeah that is the theme song yes. for the ages right there Agnes, agnes all along. Along. she uh-huh. straight up killed sparky man <laughs> what a bummer she's evil she, she's got purple magic i think that looks cool that is really cool i mean i'm still bummed that that means wanda's gonna be the hero and well, we're gonna who, i was really i don't know man that we could get uh, a little flashback here of the start of all this since next week is our last episode maybe it's more of a an arrangement that they have like wanda probably is kind of in on it to the point of like hey make my life picturesque and i'll whatever give you my imaginary kids whatever that is going to oh yeah the twins are missing too oh wait, she, wait she's a witch she's a witch who stole twins oh Ooh, you are you're on to something garrett we're gonna get some cannibalism soon <laughs> are hansel and gretel twins no they're not i don't i don't be. know probably in some versions they are in some versions they aren't who knows that exchange she has with monica where uh, something along the lines of like you're still a hero or something and she's like maybe i'm not i don't know with, with the way marvel's going i kind of i hope they they explore that a little more it seems like they're going to since she's in like multiverse and like spider-man 3 i mean i would like them to do that i just don't have the faith that they will follow through on making a uh, an avenger an actual bad guy but i mean i hope you're right i hope they do actually commit to it I'm with you. I don't think they'll go full bad guy. They'll probably be like, she's doing bad things, but you understand what she's about, and possibly there's a redemption arc at the end of it. Dark Phoenix mm-hmm. style. Uh, but speaking of Fox, Agnes all along showed us that she is the one who brought in 
Bizarro oh, Pietro. Yes. So whether that means she pulled him from the multiverse or she, or this is just a fun in joke, we'll have to see. Because, I mean, there are implications about that because of our extra special little bit at the end. There's an after credit scene, finally. Yes, which, I mean, I'm assuming that that kind of functions in two parts. One is that, you know, obviously Marvel has post-credit scenes and they're known for post-credit scenes. And I, I'm also assuming that the 2000s are where the tag over the credits kind of became the mainstream like i mean shows did it before the 2000s like i mean like frasier being the obvious example of, <laughs> of course. course but i i also found it to be kind like i was wondering if that was also an intentional like this is the first time that we've had a post credits because that is kind of something that happens in modern television oh, interesting i mean that that could be it and then next week we'll get an episode where there's like four after credit scenes scattered around the 10 minute credits because that's what they do now boy did they <laughs> i can hear your exasperation i mean i love guardians 2 i love it I, that is my favorite marvel movie easily that's too many credit scenes it's too many uh, it's it's, it's a party like after the credits man come on <laughs> jeff goldblum's there jeff goldblum is there that's true but yeah i mean so monica she's snooping around Agnes's house, and then Pietro, who had been MIA this episode, shows up. Confirms him and Agnes are working together. At, like, he's capable of his own thought. He's not like just a figment Agatha made up. He's going to be so, partners. Maybe he's Mephisto. Oh my god. I, I was going to say, is he working for... They didn't really... Like, he scares her, and then they just cut to black. So, is it a situation of, like, is he Agnes's crony? Or does he have, like, free will? Is he going to help in my mind i i was thinking that maybe that will lead more into multiverse where agatha pulled him from one multiverse to manipulate wanda and then i don't know maybe he's just there still being himself even when he's not being controlled but yeah i don't know well another thing to think about though is that monica rambo has got powers now so it's not like she's at the mercy of quicksilver if he is still evil she's got a little bit of a fight in her now I was about to say, let's focus on Monica for a little bit. She's going to be big, I think. Like, she's setting up for something big. Okay, so she becomes Captain Marvel at some point, right? Oh, is that Uh, true? Photon. I think that's what they're going with. Photon. Okay. I I knew she had her own superhero name, but I couldn't remember what it was. Also, real quick, if, if apparently if you go back to when we see, like, a plaque of her mom at S.W.O.R.D., her call sign is Photon. Oh, there it is. Well, there you go. I think this is building up to a whole, like a big Marvel team up. Like we got Photon, Captain Marvel, and Miss Marvel, Kamala Khan, like teaming up probably in the the next big Captain Marvel movie, Captain Marvel Two. Let's run it. What are Monica's powers? We know her eyes are blue. She, she was able she to has... break free yeah. of Wanda's magic. It looked like and kind of protect herself a little bit. Yeah. Well, it's got me thinking. It depends on who's powering, quote unquote, the hex. But it seems to me that her powers are, after being rewritten and going through the hex, I'm assuming that her powers are either going to be derived from the Mind Stone, like Wanda's, or whatever is powering Agnes's powers. What is powering her powers? Because her, her purple magic does look a lot like Wanda's red magic, but, but purple, purple, yeah, what the hell? She's got a whole castle, some sort of portal to a castle, oh, at least, yeah. under her house. 
Yeah, some kind of weird magic some kind dungeon. of multiverse portal, perhaps. Oh wait, let's talk about the commercial real quick. Oh yeah, the antidepressant. Because I found out that the uh-huh. name of that thing is the name of a multiverse portal channel thing in Marvel. So I think I think oh, we're cool. gearing up for it, boys. Get ready next week. Yeah, the Nexus. Yeah, the Nexus or something like yeah. that. I, I I don't quite remember. Yeah, it is Nexus. So yeah. it's a commercial about using the Nexus to cure your sadness. I mean, it doesn't get any more blatant than that, I think. Yeah. <laughs> is is next week really the last episode? Isn't or it eight episodes left? or is it nine episodes? I think, oh, I think it's nine. Yes! I think it's nine. I, I tricked myself left. into thinking this is going to be over soon, and now I'm excited again. <laughs> I'm very interested to see where it's going. Yeah, there's that um, ancient book. Oh, yeah. Oh, got. my God. Oh, yeah, her, her weird... Agatha's old school. Maybe she's an ancient witch lady being... Well, it looks like that book from Doctor Strange. The Book of Ashanti. Oh, maybe it's connected through there. Maybe Doctor Strange is after her, specifically? She's stealing powerful stuff? Alright, well, I'm excited. I'm excited for where this Me takes too. us next. Now it's time to save the rec center, where we give you our weekly recommendations. Ricardo, what do you got? I'm sure you'll remind me if I've talked about this before, but... Static Shock just got added to HBO Max. I had recently like watched the whole thing not too long ago, but this was before it was streaming anywhere, so it was really hard to find. I temporarily got myself a, a DC Universe like membership just so I could watch all of Static Shock. It's real good, man. It holds up if you can like make it to like the first season. The animation's a little, it's cheaper, it's rougher, it's a little more geared towards like a kid's show but it it evolves into becoming part of the whole dc animated universe to the point where they have crossovers with like batman beyond and justice league michael b jordan's doing that static shock movie coming out sometime soon so good time to go revisit this really cool character i think he's underrated yeah i i would love to check that out as part of my little batman batman beyond binge-a-thon i've been i've been thinking about having i mean Unfortunately, I think both of those things have taken a back to the <laughs> oh, show God. right now. <laughs> Honestly, I I love Static Shock too, man. I I need to get back on that. What do you got, Seamus? Uh, last week actually, I bumped the video game Control, and I know you both have a, a passing familiarity with it. I know Ricardo, I think you're you're in the middle of it at somewhere, but I've been obsessed with it for the last you know couple weeks, and through. A lot of there's like some 200 collectible files you can read in the game, and through a lot of digging and happenstance, I found enough of those to figure out that apparently it's in the same universe as Alan Wake, which is another Remedy Entertainment game that I was obsessed with for a long time. Do you guys know Alan Wake? I'm not familiar. I'm also not very familiar. With Alan it was Wake. around 2010, I think, when it came out, and it's just like once again, like. Fully based on, it's like Twin Peaks meets Resident Evil meets Silent Hill. It's just horror action in a creepy David Lynchian town. And apparently they're in the same universe, which gives me hope for a crossover or a sequel. Because they left that game off on a cliffhanger and never made another one. So, if you ever get the chance, Alan Wake is on Steam, I believe. It's old enough, so it'll be cheap. It's fantastic and very scary. With Control getting a resurgence of popularity right now, and I think I read a uh, headline last week that was like, 
despite releasing no new games in 2020, it was the biggest year I for saw that too, ever. and I I want them to take all that money and I want them to funnel it right back into an Alan Wake game because it's it's got a little bit of a, a cult following. It was it was pretty popular in a in a in a good group when it came out. So they're taking the time to connect it to their more modern games. So that kind of gives me hope that it'll be back in like a sequel capacity in some way. Well, I have been watching you, Seamus. Every single time I log on to my PlayStation, I see Seamus playing <laughs> Control. But that's only because I've been glued to my PlayStation is I am on the Assassin's Creed Valhalla train. And that is going to be my rec center. Because I really, I was texting you about this, Seamus, and I think I told both of you about it a couple weeks ago that John Carpenter yeah. had recommended it on Twitter. So I decided to check it out from the library. And I started it, and I was like, I, I wasn't super into it, and I was like, this doesn't really feel like an Assassin's Creed, which wasn't necessarily a bad thing, you know, because I'm not a huge Assassin's Creed guy. But, you know, as I kept playing, I got more and more invested in the story and the characters and the open world nature of the game, and it's really fun. Like, I'm really enjoying it. It goes back to the library today, so... I'm going to put it right back on hold because I've been having such a good time. It's really long and there's a lot to explore. But yeah, I mean, if you are interested in checking this game out, I highly recommend it. For the massive scale of the world, the load times are essentially non-existent. I'm playing it on a PS5. I'm, I'm sure it runs great on Xbox as well. But yeah, check it out. I'm, I'm really digging I'm, it. I'm, I'm honestly glad to hear that Assassin's Creed is coming around again a bit. It kind of had a dip in quality for a while after Black Flag, but if, if it's good enough for you and John Carpenter, then it might be good enough for me. I'd love to hear your thoughts, Seamus. I think that wraps us up for this week's episode of Pop Culture Reference. If you want to reach the show, you can tweet us at PCR underscore podcast. Find us on Instagram with that handle. Like us on our new Facebook page. You can also find us on YouTube, you might even be watching there already, but we've got all kinds of new video content going up as well. You can email us at popculturereferencepod at gmail.com. Uh, 